Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. As ever, presented by myself, Ben Hocking, Harry Eid and Sam Sage. It's been a bit of a while since we've had an off week uh, from Formula One's perspective. No race coming up this weekend. It's two weeks until the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, but plenty still to discuss. How are you, folks? Yeah, good. It's Harry's birthday coming up, so I'm excited for festivities. Can't wait for him to shower us in... (laughs) gifts from the fans that'd be good yeah uh well i need to go i need to go now then and do some uh <laughs> do some shopping. that's what we do yeah, here at late breaking folks we buy each other presents when it's your birthday yeah i'm gonna be one year older than i am as you hear this harry that's that that might be the most correct thing you've ever said it might be the only correct thing you've ever said, in fact. Uh, I can't argue with that logic. I'm probably, I'm probably still wrong somehow. <laughs> you found a way. <laughs> yeah, if, if I could get you a birthday present, it would be, it would be a right prediction. That, that, that is what I would gift you, but unfortunately, it is not possible. Um, anyway, we've got plenty to discuss this, well, this evening or this afternoon, this morning, wherever you might be listening in the world. Um, Lewis Hamilton's contract. So this was announced last week, but it's something that we haven't been able to discuss up until this point. Of course, with the review podcast, we decided we wanted we wanted to give it its uh, we wanted to give it the space that it deserves, the time that it deserves. So we've saved it for today. We're going to be discussing whether we're surprised by the news, what we think um, is going to be the result of it. Who might take the second seat now that that's been announced? The Australian Grand Prix has been cancelled, unfortunately, for 2021. So we'll be discussing whether that will be replaced by another track or not. And we're going to play Pump the Brakes. uh, First time in a little while. Uh, We're bringing that one back. 
But first of all, we will focus on the Lewis Hamilton contract. He settled this much, much earlier in the year than he did for this season's contract. And also, it's not a one-year deal. This time, it's a multi-year deal. It takes him to the end of 2023 with Mercedes. So he'll do the rest of this season, presuming he rides out the entire contract. All of this season, 2022 and 2023. So fairly long term in, in that sense. Sam, were you surprised that this was a multi-year deal? And, and how do you see it working for both sides here? Yeah, I, I was surprised it was a multi-year deal. And that doesn't reflect on Hamilton's ability, of course, in any way. Hamilton being, we all know, the most successful driver of all time when it comes to statistics. Um, what I was surprised about is more Hamilton's ventures. Hamilton, who has branched out massively outside of Formula 1. I know his passion for racing is still very much there. He's still hungry for more success, more records, more wings, you know. And I think he really has a love for working with Mercedes and what they're delivering in terms of the diversity and the cultural changes. I think they're very forward-thinking with him. I feel like he very much enjoys this aspect of his career currently. But I'm surprised it wasn't a one-year rolling deal because I think Hamilton does still want core success. I think success on the track, if he's within Formula 1, is still very much his core motivator. So... The fact that he's gone for a, a contract that's going to last for a couple of years, he must have seen something in the data, he must know something about the car, or he must have been made some promises by Mercedes that really motivated him to crack on for another couple of years. Especially as for the first year, obviously, for the whole most recent era, Mercedes are struggling. Mercedes are not on top. So you think he'd be more buoyed last year when Mercedes were really flowing with success, but actually that took longer to sign a contract. So that's why I'm surprised that when they're struggling, when the era is changing, when there's no certainty going forward, Hamilton must have been told or shown something that really fills him with some confidence for at least a couple of years. Do I think it's the last contract Hamilton will sign? I think that entirely depends on how successful Mercedes are in this most recent era. If they continue to drop back, I think Hamilton will kind of bow out, enjoy his success, help him develop a little bit and move on. Uh, if he goes on to win, let's say two championships, because I think this one's down and dusty, I think Verstappen's got this one, but if he wins the 2022 season and the 2023 season, I don't see why he wouldn't stick around for at least another year. Hamilton's still got that raw speed that he always has. He hasn't dropped off that peak yet. So, surprise on a multi-year deal, yes. Surprise that he signed a new deal for at least a year. No, I I was not shocked that he's sticking around. I think he wants a little taste of those new regs, just to see how it goes for him. Uh, and Sam, you mentioned that he is, you believe, still on the top of his game right now as we speak in, in July 21, considering this takes him up to the end of 23. It's a tough one, looking to the crystal ball. What Lewis Hamilton do you think is still around at the end of 2023? I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if he was able to pull out the same level of performance that we've seen over the last 12 months. With age, unfortunately, in motorsport, especially in Formula 1, which is so physically demanding, you are going to drop off a little bit. And when there are drivers like Verstappen, Russell, Gasly, I even throw into that mix now, Leclerc, Sainz, Norris, brilliant young drivers all coming through who want a top seat. And if a car is level, I don't know if Hamilton will be able to pull out those number one performances. I think Hamilton, though, will be able to deliver on that key experience. He'll have consistency. He's, he'll have that wily old Fox atmosphere that we know Alonso and Reichen are able to bring. And Seb Vettel as well, who is, I know, younger than Hamilton. But I feel like Seb Vettel is really harnessing that experience side of things. So do I think that Hamilton could win an outright pace in two years' time over all of those youngsters? unsure. Do I think that Hamilton could beat them strategically, with tyre wear, with consistency over the course of a season? I definitely think it's possible. The man has not got slower yet, 
Why would you get any slower now? I mean, Alonso is getting better every single race. He's been out of the sport for two, three years. So, yeah, I think Hamilton could still be very successful in two years' time. What are your thoughts, Harry? Were you surprised by this being a multi-year deal? And, and how do you think this plays out for, for both Mercedes as the team and Hamilton as the driver? Uh, in a sense, not surprised because I think this is the the, the continuation of the one-year deal that he signed at the beginning of this year. And I think that, you know, had things, for whatever reason, why that contract didn't come through earlier, it just got delayed and delayed as last year went on. And only got signed just before pre-season, really, didn't it? Um, I think, you know, Hamilton probably was always going to sign a three-year deal. But for whatever reason, just to get things over the line in 2021, he signed, they got him to sign a one-year and reevaluate whatever whatever nagging issue there was. Um, so in that sense, no, not surprised. It's, and as Sam already mentioned, I think he wants to have a taste of what these new regs will be. You know, even if he's not been shown something, I think the past... I don't know, what has it, six years have probably shown enough that Mercedes are capable of making a good car no matter what the regs are. So um, uh, in that sense, I'm, I'm sure he's confident he can be fighting at the top. Um, I mean, Toto seems to think it's not won't be his last contract. And, you know, Kimi Raikkonen's been around for about 40 years. So, uh, you know, it's not surprising if Hamilton does stay past 23. Um, and I think uh, even if... Even if Hamilton doesn't have that raw pace anymore, I think you would be looking at a similar situation to to Schumacher at the end of 06. He he has the, he still has a lot of speed, and he's using all of his experience and and wiles to to beat the other guys. But he, he may not necessarily be finding it as easy as he does now. Or you know, I think even this year has maybe shown that slightly. And not I'm not saying he's lost much speed. But, you know, a, a different challenger emerging in the form of Verstappen. So, yeah, that'll be one for him to judge when he gets to 2023. I, I don't suspect he's gonna. He's not going to be slow. And, he, you know, the level the Hamilton operates at, even if he's lost a little bit of speed, he's still going to be pretty quick. So I don't think that'll be too much of an issue for him. Um, it, it'll be. I think it'll be more about the... more about his drive, energy, you know. He'll have been doing it for a fair while by then and he might just be tired I'm tired all the time and I'm not even an F1 driver so <laughs> um, yeah he, yeah, that, that's up to him obviously but I don't think it'll be an issue and as I said Toto's fairly confident that he's going to stick around maybe he'll be in a different capacity but who knows but um, yeah not not unduly shocked I do think he'd want to see, see in the new rules although I did have a thought if this year had been going if he was dominating this year like he had last year maybe this wouldn't be as easy to sign maybe he would have considered bowing out at the end I don't know he hasn't anyway and it's nothing but a good thing for Formula 1 yeah absolutely I mean we've we've looked at this from the perspective of Lewis Hamilton the driver and what he wants to achieve as an individual Mercedes the team and what they want to achieve and what they want to continue to achieve based on what they've done over the last seven years or so but yeah there is that third element in that it's great for Formula One. Um, yeah, Hamilton is by and uh, by a long way the most recognisable figure in Formula One right now. Verstappen might well fill some of that void as he grows into his role, and other young drivers possibly as well. But considering the the global reach that Hamilton has and the the non F one reach that Hamilton has. 
it, it could be instrumental for the next few years for Formula One as a business. Uh, you know, I think it's great for them as well as the other two parties here. Uh, I, I wasn't massively surprised by this. I think it's it's a good move from both sides, really. From Mercedes' perspective, they were the only the the only main team really not to have at least one option sewn up for the next few years, and and that's a bit of a risk from their perspective. So Verstappen is signed to a long term deal at Red Bull. Leclerc is signed to a long term deal at Ferrari. Norris this season has signed for a, signed an extension at McLaren. Ocon at Alpine is settled in. So you've got quite a few of these teams that are maybe not all competing with Mercedes, but the top half of the championship or so, where they've at least got one driver in long term. And we know the benefits of a driver having a long term deal in place. It can work in both the driver and the team's favour to give them that security. And I think with Lewis Hamilton, they Mercedes are now are now confident in that in that they've got one driver, you know, settled in. They they know that they're in that seat, and we'll discuss a bit later on what that might mean for the second seat and whether that will change anything at all in terms of Mercedes' decision. It, it's great that they've secured it because Mercedes are a great team. Really simplistic. Mercedes are a great team. Lewis Hamilton is a great driver, and I, Mercedes are very very clever um, in what they do and they aren't going to be stupid to the fact that at some point Lewis Hamilton's performance is going to drop off whether that is a year from now whether that's five years from now whether it's a gradual process between the two which I think is probably the most likely outcome it's going to happen at some point father time is undefeated uh, and Lewis Hamilton isn't going to be the first to defeat it so it, again, it just becomes a question of how how much can he drag out that top level performance, and I think you've already said this, Harry. Even if Lewis Hamilton drops off over the next few years, ever so slightly, eighty five percent of what Lewis Hamilton is right now is probably a top twenty driver of all time. Like L- Lewis Hamilton at sixty percent is a competent F one driver, even if he drops off. They're not. They're not in any immediate danger. He will still contribute to the team. He is still going to be. I. I still think he's going to be in contention for world championships for the next few years. But even if it's a worst case scenario, he is going to be fine in terms of being more than good enough for the seat. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. So a good move from Mercedes overall, and and obviously, they said after Hamilton signed this one year deal. They don't want to go through the stress again of leaving it to the last minute. And they, they've stayed true to their word on that. Makes a change for Mercedes. Then they've actually gone ahead with something that, you know, they aren't lying. Uh, but yeah, they've, they've stuck true to their word here. And they have settled this fairly early on, which is which is good for both parties again, I think. From Lewis Hamilton's perspective, is this a good move? Yes, I think it is. The guy... The guys won some world championships with the team. It's not a massive surprise to see the, the confidence in that team. I know 2021 isn't going swimmingly. There is a very serious chance that it's going to be the first hybrid era championship that Mercedes don't win. But even so, if you were to just look at that and ignore everything that's come past, come before it, that's, that's not a good way to look at it overall. He knows that he's in a good spot at Mercedes, and 
they aren't just going to if if they do end up losing this championship they're not just gonna roll over and say well that's our dynasty over it's red bull's time to to go back into the spotlight now they're gonna do their best to fight that back the following year he's got confidence in the team they've got confidence in him in terms of whether this will be his his last contract it's a bit of a question mark i do think this will be his last multi-year contract i think if he does end up doing anything past the end of 2023 i think it's probably on one year deals or a a one year deal i i don't think he signs another multi-year deal ultimately hamilton does have those external interests that we've already we've already referenced um that most other drivers don't have but i think hamilton realizes that being world champion or at least being in contention for championships being the most recognizable face in formula one that's that actually is is the best position for him that actually aids the other things that he does rather than takes away from them the exposure that he gets as a result of being at the front of formula one i think helps him in terms of his environmental pursuits in terms of his other racing pursuits obviously extreme e we know he's involved in it helps him from his from a fashion perspective and anything else that he might do or, or already does i think the exposure that formula one gives him is, is a massive help for that so i think this deal ends up taking him to about 39 years old possibly um in which case yeah we, we do see alonso and raikkonen are alonso and raikkonen the same drivers at say 40 years old that they were they were 10 years ago my answer to that is no so you know maybe maybe that will be the drop-off but I think Hamilton will be absolutely dedicated to do everything he can to prolong his time at the top of Formula One. We've seen it across other sports, and I know it's not a like-for-like comparison, but we're, we're seeing this in in tennis with Roger Federer continuing his dominance well into his late 30s. Tom Brady in his mid-40s in American football still at the top of his game. Phil Mickelson's just become the old, the oldest uh, major championship winner in golf. So we are seeing that in other sports, these these athletes are able to extend their career perhaps more than they were twenty years ago. I think Hamilton will be in that crowd, and he, I think he stands a chance of still being very competitive into his early forties if he wants to. Whether he does or not, that's another question. Very sorry for the uh, mentions of other sports there, folks. That will not happen again for another 130 podcasts. Promise you. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't even, like, decide to go down, you know, another racing championship. Like, you know, we've had Helio Castroneves win the the Indy 500 this year in his mid-40s. Unfortunately, that didn't make my top three highlights of old sports people. Sorry, sorry, Helio. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry to not only ignore you, but then accidentally actually call you old as well, Helio. Uh, we know, we know he's a massive fan of the podcast, so apologies, apologies on that front. Um, in terms of what this might mean for the second seat, we know that Valtteri Bottas, since his time when he started at Mercedes in 2017, it's been exclusively one-year deals. Harry, do you think that? Bottas will continue on from this do you think this do you think this contract signing helps Bottas hinders Bottas helps Russell hinders Russell um I I unsure on this one because I know that Hamilton has previously said said uh, not sled said um 
you know, as early as a, or as soon as a month ago, I think it was, that he liked having Bottas as a teammate. Shock to literally no one that one. Uh, but, you know, if Mercedes is going to look at it in terms of, well, look how well it's worked over the past, uh, well, how long has Bottas been there now? Four years? Is year four? Year five? Year um, five. Year five, yeah, blimey. Um, you know, we've won all the championships with Bottas as the teammate to Lewis Hamilton. So why would that not continue uh, to be the case? I think maybe this year, as you know, the challenge from Red Bull is not helping Bottas's case in that sense because he's not always there to back up Hamilton when Hamilton has needed him. He has sometimes, but not all the time. Um and I also think, you know, Toto. Toto's got to have an eye on on the future. I think, and the, as Hamilton is vitally important to that team at the moment, but the the future of Mercedes doesn't rest entirely on him. And they, and they must realise that um, they've got to they've got to bring George into that seat soon because I think I mean even if it's as soon as next year. Because I think if even if he doesn't get in next year, I think he's going to start throwing a massive wobbly. I I just don't see how George is going to put up with being in a Williams. I mean, he even he said at the weekend when he was ba- having a proper battle with Alonso, he was saying, "Well, that's the first time I've done it ever in F1 because he's never really he's had he's had an overtake or two on people, but mainly through good fortune, never a proper scrap with another." car on on track that's not been his teammate and you know let's be honest it's it's rarely been his teammate he's rarely that close to him so um yeah i think mercedes is gonna have to seriously consider that one so in terms of bottas whether this helps him i think hamilton would love him to stay i don't see hamilton wanting george especially after after the sakia gp last year i think not that hamilton doesn't want a challenge but for you know a harm harmonious team that he's enjoyed over the past few years. I don't see why he'd want to get want Mercedes to dump Bottas. Mercedes, I think, are probably going to start looking towards the future. And the way George has been driving this year in particular, um, it, I, you know, you'd find it hard to you'd find it hard to, to not give him a chance over, over Bottas in 2022. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I wouldn't honestly wouldn't be shocked if Bottas ended up in that seat again next year. But I also wouldn't be shocked if Russell ended up in that seat. So uh, my conclusion is, I think they both have an equal chance. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> it's it's the classic Harry Yeed answer. Um, oh, you've, you've got uh, to love it. You've got to love it. Do you think there's any chance at all that Lewis Hamilton in this contract has a clause that Valtteri Bottas is his teammate for next year? Uh, who I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't. Hamilton doesn't strike me as that. I know I said he obviously wouldn't want to. He would like to keep that harmonious relationship he's had with Bottas, and that he didn't really enjoy at Rosberg. But he doesn't strike me as that kind of driver who would demand who his teammate would be. Maybe that was the sticking point. <laughs> Maybe that's why he refused to sign for so long because they because they kept Bottas on for another year. I doubt it entirely, but um. No bodies, no, I, please. Yeah, he literally is the yeah biggest fan of no bodies. Um, 
No, I, I, can't, I can't see him demanding that. I don't think he's that type of. Don't think he's that type of driver. Sam, do you think that the contract being signed helps Russell or helps Bottas? Uh, I actually think it helps Bottas, um, which is really surprising to hear those words come out of my own mouth. Um, the thing is, with Valtteri Bottas, him and Lewis get along professionally very well. They are a very solid partnership. They thoroughly enjoy working with each other. There is no friction there as a as a team member. You know, They will get into the car, they'll race, they'll get out of the car on a Sunday, they'll do a nice little fist bump, and they'll be on their way. And that's all they'll do. Whereas... When Russell comes along, I think Russell will want to prove himself. Russell will immediately want to go, yeah, I can learn from Lewis. You know, Russell has such massive respect for Hamilton. You hear it all the time. I mean, Norris has a few sarky little comics that he likes to make, but Russell has this real kind of, I don't know if it's because he's part of the Mercedes program, but he has this real respect for Lewis Hamilton and regularly says, you know, he's the GOAT. He's the one I want to learn from. He's the one that I want to sit next to. Can't wait to be with Hamilton. I think he really looks up to Lewis. The thing is, just because you look up to someone doesn't mean you don't want to beat them. Just because it doesn't mean you don't want to, you know, take them to the end of a championship and claim the championship as your own at the end of the year. The thing is about Bottas is, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think Hamilton would ever demanding his contract to have one teammate or another. The thing that you get with Bottas that you don't get with Russell, or rather the other way around actually, Russell has un wavering loyalty to Mercedes. He said in an interview last week actually. Um, he got interviewed and they said, Russell, you know, George, as they like to call him. You know, he has got a first name. Um, By his name. <laughs> they like to call him that very exclusively. Yeah, they, the interviewees of, of the world. Uh, George, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of rumours flying around with that Mercedes seat. Now Lewis has signed. What do you see happening with you? And he said, regardless of what happens, I will have a Mercedes seat. You know, I have a Mercedes engine in my car and I will always have a Mercedes engine in my car. I am loyal to Mercedes. Pretty much the words that came out of his mouth. Which is a big statement to make on the public stage. So I think Toto knows full well that he could say to Russell, give me two seasons, you'll be in that car. And I don't care who he replaces at that point. So I wouldn't be shocked actually if this more favours Bottas and we see Bottas get another, uh, another year in that car to see how he goes with the new regulations next to Hamilton. Um, I think that's how it will play out. I am going to go the other way with this. I think this helps Russell in that I've been fairly consistent with my my viewpoint on this, and that is that as soon as Hamilton has a multi-year deal, and that is the time to replace Bottas with Russell, and, and Bottas has done Bottas has done a good job for Mercedes, and he's a he is a great driver. And I think regardless, you know, if it does end up being Russell replacing Bottas this year or next year. I hope that he can he can find another good seat in Formula One because he absolutely deserves it. And I actually think the pressure of having Lewis Hamilton as your teammate, which is a very, you know, he has the hardest job in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton's teammate. I feel the second that he gets away from that and goes to another team, again, hopefully another good team, I think we'll see him unleashed a bit more, which I would I would really love to see. So this isn't just a case of me wanting Bottas out and thinking he's terrible I I would love to see Bottas elsewhere because I think he can really do more than what he shows right now particularly on a Sunday I, I think this helps Russell in that to this point there hasn't been any security with Lewis Hamilton 
in that it's either been last year um he didn't sign the contract until very late you know it was actually this year that he signed the contract for this season um and it was a one-year deal basically there's no long-term security and mercedes wanting to avoid the risk of lewis hamilton not being in the car and having just let bottas go or you know, if if they let Bottas go and they, and they put Russell in, and then Hamilton decides he's off, then suddenly you're left with Russell, who might not be ready to compete for a championship yet, and someone else who we don't know who that would be. So the, I I feel like they were they don't want to end up in that situation. So as soon as Hamilton gives Mercedes that security in that I'm going to be here for multiple years, I think that gives them more freedom to plan for their future. I think there's less reliance on Valtteri Bottas. Because even though Bottas is on one-year deals exclusively, that's out of Mercedes doing, not his doing. If they turn around and said, hey, Valtteri, you can have a 30-year contract if you want, he'd go, hey, oh, where do I sign? Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, the long-termness, or the, rather the short-termness of those deals have been completely team-led rather than driver-led. So they've been able to, to bank on Bottas coming back every year, and that has made the Hamilton situation much more easy to manage. Now they don't have to manage that situation with Lewis Hamilton. They don't have to worry about his contract for another couple of years. Now what they can do is if Hamilton is going to call it quits at the end of 2023, Russell could have had two seasons in that car before he's needed to win a championship. Now, we what we saw from Russell and Sakia, there is a chance he might be he might be ready from the off. But it's not a guarantee. You can't tell. So having that bit of a buffer zone where he doesn't, he can be a number two driver for a couple of years, and that's okay. I think this helps Russell overall, but it's going to be interesting to see. From Russell's perspective at Williams, so let's just say, let's look at the other side of things. Let's say Bottas does stay for another year. George Russell, last three races of this season, 12th place in France, Retired in the first race in the Styrian Grand Prix, but was probably looking at points. And then 11th place in the last race in Austrian Grand Prix. Don't know whether you would agree. I think they are by far the three most encouraging races Russell has had in that Williams seat since he started there in, in 2019. If they continue, and it's a big if, if they continue on that trajectory and they are a more competitive car next year, do you think Russell is more accepting of another year outside of that Mercedes seat, Sam? fantastic i couldn't agree more <laughs> and tell you what what do you think about it harry oh i should have stayed starting then as well and then left you hanging i know right um, yeah <laughs> oh folks this happened to me the other week as well we are cursed by technology i swear we really are sounds just he's gone i don't know where he's gone it's gone to tell boss as he's not needed not sure um i uh, unsure on that one because <sighs> You know, and I this is I don't think this is a very good comparison to make, but if I just think George is watching Lando Norris having the time of his bloody life in that McLaren, getting podiums, everyone's you know he's receiving applause from everyone, everyone's saying you know even even we said it on the last podcast could he is he a championship uh, not contender for this year but you know in the future. Um, I think that that's 
that's got to eat away at him, no matter how he looks at it. He he beat Norris to the title in F2. He's come up through the ranks with him. Um, and, yeah, that's got to hurt him. And even if the Williams is slightly more competitive next year, I would be doubtful that it would be on par with what McLaren come up with for 2022. So, um, yeah, look, a more, more competitive Williams will help, but I don't think it's it's not what he's not what he's gonna want. And I think he he I I you know I know Sam said he was famously loyal to to the Mercedes team brand, but at some point that's gonna that's gonna give, and he's gonna want to go somewhere else. If somewhere, you know, somewhere else, some other team, Red Bull, I don't see that happening. But you know, somewhere further up the grid, eye up this talent that is George Russell. They, why would he say no if if Mercedes aren't giving that opportunity and they're keeping Bottas on? I I just think he'll 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 snap and go mad. He'll he'll pound the table like Toto does and say Toto, what are you what are you playing at? So um yeah, look, uh, more competitive Williams will help him definitely, but I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's not what it's not what he wants. It, it, it seems as if uh, the hamster wheels have, uh, have started turning at the Samuel Sage residence because he appears to be back and I will give it a second go in terms of asking you a question, Mr. Sage. George Russell, considering how good the Williams, well, comparatively good the Williams has been over the last three race weekends, if they continue on that trajectory and they develop a bit more of a competitive car next year, does that make him less impatient to get in the Mercedes? Well, just for clarity on what I was doing when the internet disconnected, Harry was right. I was telling Bottas he was no longer leading at Mercedes because he's needing at my residence to power the Wi-Fi, apparently. He's out there, bless him, with the oh, bowl no. of orange. <laughs> Come on! I'm like, Go on, Valtteri! Keep going! He's trying, bless him. He's got a lot going on out there. I'm giving him a coffee. Um, do I think George Russell will be more empowered, essentially, and a more competitive Williams? Funny enough, I think George Russell is what is making that Williams more competitive currently. I mean, Latifi, I like Latifi. He's a good driver. He's doing a good job. He's doing a solid job. But against George Russell, he's getting absolutely trounced at the moment, it feels like. George Russell has really come alive this season. Mr. Saturday, as they love to call him, is there every single week. The man is non-stop in Q2. And then Q3, George Russell is elevating that Williams. If Williams can improve, let's say, by two places on the grid, they can get themselves maybe to seventh or sixth on the grid. I think he will show the world just how good he can be. Do I think it's enough to make you patient for a Mercedes seat, for a multiple world title winning seat? No, I don't. I very much think George Russell is 100% willing to do everything he can to get himself in that seat. I think he wants to be at the top, just like every other racing driver wants to be at the top. Do I think he'll enjoy himself a bit more? Yeah, of course. I think he likes Williams, but I think he knows Williams is always just a holding place. Uh, he's not like Pascal Verline. He's not like Esteban Ocon. People who sat there possibly waiting to get a Mercedes seat, possibly going to get the shot. Russell will get that shot. He is good enough. He just hasn't got that right time yet. Bottas is entirely in his way. So I'm sure Russell will be popping down to my flat very soon to say thank you for putting Russell in the hamster, for Bottas in the hamster wheel and Russell can now <laughs> drive on. Um, no, I don't. I don't think he'd be making more patient. I think he's going to become more and more frustrating over the years, unfortunately. And I think he does deserve a shot in a top car. I think he's earned it. I don't know how you find a way to get a Pascal Verline shot in for nearly every podcast. It's impressive at this point. Sorry, Pascal. Poor Pascal. <laughs> Poor Pascal. 
Bookie's favourite to get that second Mercedes seat. And still. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't quite work out, did it? Um anyway. I, I think this is all about perspective from George Russell. Um I, I, I don't know how he'll look at this. Let's just say hypothetically, yeah, he, the Williams t- ends up being like the seventh quickest car next year or something like that. If he looks at it through sort of the the lens of what he's been driving the last few years, then yeah, it's an upgrade. He'll take it. He he said about his battle with Alonso that it was the first time he was actually fighting anyone. He might have he might get to do a bit more of that in a more competitive Williams. So in that sense, if he looks at it like that, then yeah, it's a step forward. If he looks at it like you said, Harry, in terms of what's Lando Norris doing, a driver that he beat in Formula 2, getting front row starts, getting podiums, then no, it doesn't really do enough. And of course, when that Mercedes seat is seemingly so close, so close to podiums and wins and championships, and he's driving a Williams, which is completely the opposite end of the grid, it's a really hard pill to swallow. Would a more competitive Williams in 2021 help him out? If if Toto was to turn around and say, George, give us one more year, do one more year in Williams, and you can have the seat from 2023 onwards, I think it would still be a very, very... Uh, it would still be tough for him to take. Would it be slightly less tough? Yes, a little bit, but not by a huge amount. I, th- I agree with you, Sam. I, I think he deserves... He deserves a better seat at the very least. Um, does he deserve a top seat? Based on what he did at Secure yet last year, I, I guess you have to say yes. So be interested to see how that one plays out. We'll move on from the saga that is Mercedes uh, and some, some sad news today that the Australian Grand Prix, which was rearranged from its normal first race of the season position, it was rearranged for later in the year, almost going back to the uh, the 90s and the 80s of when the Australian Grand Prix used to be towards the end of the season. Um, it's gonna It has, I'm afraid, been cancelled for this year. So um wasn't on the calendar last year, not on the calendar this year. So looking to 2022 possibly, for a return to Melbourne. Sam, we've, we've discussed sort of circuit replacements in, in other podcasts. Do you think that there is a need to replace this with something else? I mean, what was interesting last time we discussed this, your folks will remember recently that the Singapore Grand Prix was also taking off the calendar, unfortunately, due to the COVID restrictions. And we asked the same question, what would you replace it with, if at all? And I said the Turkish Grand Prix. And then, lo and behold, about two days later, they bestowed us with the Turkish Grand Prix. So uh, we're going to have to decipher this this podcast so the FIA can't listen to it. Because uh, I'm stealing my ideas, Michael Massey. And South Co. Korea. South Korea. Yes, Bud. Bud. F1 India track. Bud. Um, do I think they need to replace it? No, I don't. I still think a 23-race calendar is too much. I love watching racing more than most people. You know, we are three super fans of the sport. That's the whole point of late breaking. We just bloody love Formula One and we love watching racing. It's great fun and we love having fun with it. Do I think there needs to be that many weekends that it causes stress for drivers and for families? The carbon emissions of the sport rise through the bloody sky as carbon emissions do. You know, we're not respecting the green world that we're trying to build. You don't get a break. You don't get a moment of peace. There's no development time. 
some races literally make no difference whatsoever because there's so many that points can fly around everywhere. It doesn't really make a difference anyway. I don't think we need to replace it. I really don't. If we had to replace it with one, keep it in Europe, keep it simple, something like the Nürburgring or Hockenheim is just fine. It produces a very good race pretty much every time. Uh, but no, I wouldn't replace it. I wouldn't replace it. I don't think it needs replacing. I think when we are still going through a pandemic, and I can tell that my internet is going by the faces of the boys, um, when we're still in a pandemic, we don't need to be traveling around the world any more than we have to. Uh, so no, no replace so, por favor. <laughs> not not a hundred percent sure how the second half of that is gonna is gonna come out in the edit um yeah that was a that was a bit robotic uh but we got your point there sam that there um that there isn't a need there isn't a need to replace it considering 23 races already sort of penciled in for this year harry do you think that it should be should be replaced at all no i know i i i don't, i will not lose any sleep uh, this year, if we have 22 races instead of 23, I think it makes no difference. And, you know, I'm very sad. I am quite sad we're not going to Melbourne because I know it's not the greatest race in the world, but I, I always think it's a, just a fun place for F1 to go. And and it seems like, seems like somewhere F1 should be going. We've been going to Australia for a long time now. So, um, yeah, no, but I don't think it needs to be replaced. Um, yeah, we've, we've got so many... <laughs> we've got so many races left. How many have we got left now? Uh, 74. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's just so many that we're not halfway by a long shot yet. So, um, yeah, I'm sad Australia's not going to be on there, but it will be fine. I mean, my, my idea of what they should do is basically they should just put out a tweet um, and it, it just says foo, by the way. Um, no, I'm kidding. That would be a terrible idea. Um, you, you put out a tweet and you say, all right, circuits, all right, circuits. All right, circuits. What... <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, circuits, who wants to host the Grand Prix? And then you look at who responds and no doubt, you know, Snetterton would come in with an offer and you'd, you'd have Yil Nam obviously come in with an offer and you go, okay, let's have a look at, every... let's have a look at Alton Towers, of course. You look at all of the different venues and you say, okay, we'll take them all. We'll have a massive wheel. We'll put every single circuit on a wheel. We'll spin the wheel, and whichever circuit it lands on can have the place for free. I'm starting to wonder why I don't run F1. Um, maybe that's maybe that's I'm, not I'm a great that idea. idea. No, I'm here for it. Can we do that for the whole do that for the whole calendar? I love that. <laughs> going back to your carbon emissions point, I'm not quite sure how that well that would work out. <laughs> going from uh... nah, screw the carbon emissions. I want the giant wheel. Snetterton yeah. to uh, Yil Nam in a week. <laughs> uh, uh, it would be like Melbourne to Montreal and then to Bathurst or something, wouldn't it? It would. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great for for air miles. Sounds um, unreal. Yeah, maybe maybe I've actually come up with a genius idea here completely accidentally. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that upset if they don't replace this. I think we have definitely reached the upper limit and arguably exceeded the upper limit of races that are needed in a season we've already got a number of triple headers going on um you know i think i think it was uh it was david croft a commentator of course um who mentioned this weekend it, that it was one year since we we started in in 2020 of course with the late season start due to covid19 
and that in 52 weeks we've done 26 races like a, a race every two weeks which includes the winter break like that's pretty pretty monumental i think at this point i would yeah like i say i wouldn't be upset if they didn't replace it apart from if uh mr mr kuala lumpur as he's commonly known decides to say yeah i'll i'll take it on um i, I don't mind doing it <laughs> Mr. Lumper. Mr. Lumper. Mr. Lumper. I'm not sure if that's his official name, the the person who is in in charge of the Sepang circuit, but yeah. Um, Other than that, don't mind if it isn't replaced. Should we we pump some brakes, considering it has been a little bit of a while? Pump the brakes! Oh, that's a classic, that one. It, it's short and it's to the point. It's maybe not the most yeah. elegant one we've got, but it does a job. So... Hang on, sorry, sorry, hold on. Dave! <laughs> yeah, he's here. Dave Benson Phillips is here, folks. He's got the gun. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Pump the Brakes before, the three of us will provide an opinion in the world of F1. can literally be anything. Uh, and the other two will have to determine whether they are all right with that opinion and they can keep going about their day as they were or if they must pump the brakes on that uh, on that statement that they've said if both of us decide that they should pump the brakes that's when good friend of the podcast Dave Benson Phillips steps in um, and does this Oh, oh yeah, love I'm, that. I regret how long I made that jingle. It's, yeah. it's far too long. <laughs> it's longer than it's, the theme tune for the event. It's over twice as long as the theme tune. <laughs> um, impressively. So basically, uh, yeah, Dave Benson Phillips, good friend of the podcast, will will get out the gunge. Um, yeah, don't want that. But it could yeah, happen. You do. It's not a good catchphrase. <laughs> Get out of the gun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that one's gonna that one's gonna stay around. Anyway, Harry, would you like to kick us off with your opinion? I'd be delighted to. My opinion for this uh, edition of Pump Breaks is that Red Bull, if they had retained Alex Albon for this year, would not be in a worse position championship-wise than they currently are. So I think, as usual, we need to just clarify what you're saying here. So, are you just saying in terms of the, of the constructors' championship, or are you also saying that Alex Albon would be P3 in the drivers' championship? Uh, I'll I'll go for let's go for constructors. Okay, so basically, that they would still be winning. Move. They would still be they would still be winning the constructors' championship if they had Albon in the second seat. Yeah, and and Max would still be in, in P1. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Sam? Uh, I completely agree with him. I think that Red Bull is totally good enough. And I think, you know, both Perez and therefore Albon realistically should be doing better because if Max is dominating the way he is, that second driver should be in second place in the championship. If not, at least only a couple of points behind Lewis Hamilton uh, where he stands at the moment. I think Albon was developing well. He was not the driver that we all wanted him to be. Um, But I do think he'd also be worse off than what Perez is at the moment. I think the gap would be much smaller so I think Red Bull made the right choice still. But I think Harry's right. I think they'd still just be in front. 
Well, you've avoided the gunge regardless of, of what I say here. Um, but yes. fortunately for you, you've actually got two agreements. I, I think they would still be winning the Constructors' Championship. I think that the gap would be slightly narrower, but I think they would still be doing it. Um, I think given the advantage that, that Verstappen has over Hamilton, we know that that's 32 points. Essentially, we're saying can Albon be within 32 points of Valtteri Bottas at this point in the year? And I think he, I think he would be, you know, considering, you know, Bottas is only... Is he just not even over the 100 mark at this point? He's just short of that. So really, you're just Very looking for Albon to. <laughs> you're just looking for Albon to get about 70 points, and I think they would still be winning. So yeah, I think he'd have done that. I I agree with you. No gunge for Harry Eid. Woohoo! Sam, what's your opinion? Now, before I voice this opinion, I would like to put a visual in your mind. Before oh, I announce his opinion, imagine me kicking down a double door with a T-shirt on that says, I'm ready for the gunge, because I'm expecting it, okay? <laughs> I am I'm prepared for a gunging with this. Why opinion. have you got to kick down the door? Because um, it looks cool. <laughs> Where else do I get to kick down doors, apart from with Dave Banks and Phillips as a d- double team? Um, anyway, me and um, <laughs> DBP are going to rule the gunge world. Right, opinion time. I think, and I'm sorry, we're gonna, I can't believe this has been brought up twice, actually, in this podcast. I think that Mr. Kuala Lumpur, Sepang, um, is only a good Formula 1 racetrack when the weather plays a major part. Otherwise, I don't think it is a good F1 racetrack in the dry. So, okay, right. No, no rain at Kuala Lumpur equals Sepang is a... Below average circuit is that that what you're saying? Yeah, I would say it was. It, you know, if we had twenty races in a season, it would not be in my top ten to twelve. If it was an all dry race. Interesting, Harry. What are you saying? I mean, I'm trying to scan through all the dry Kuala Lumpur races in my mind. The thing that actually is is erring me towards agreeing with Sam is that even when we've had dry races. We've often had wet qualities, which have thrown things up a bit. I'm thinking like 2010 when neither Ferrari or McLaren made it through to Q out of Q1 or something like that. So um, I can't remember many classics that didn't involve some weather. Oh God. Okay. Well, Sam, I'll have to agree with you. You've avoided a gunge. Oh, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's you what can you want. Me you can go to me later when we've finished. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 so, well, yeah, you, you've avoided it regardless again of what I say here. I'm really torn on this one, actually. I'm very, very nathlead. Very nathlead. Um, oh, it's a cooking brugier. Yeah. <laughs> What do I go with here? I think it's probably... It, it's really borderline, because I, I agree with what you're saying, Harry, in that it's the rain that makes the Malaysian Grand Prix. Like It's the changeable conditions, it's the monsoon season, unpredictability that absolutely makes this race a belter. I still think it's pretty good even without the rain, so not by much, but I will tell you to pump the brakes on this one. I think it, I don't think it's an unfair point. Cool. I'll take a I'll take a one nil on that one. 
I'm usually soaked in the in the green stuff by now, so I'll take it. <laughs> All right, mine is a uh, mine is a double header. I'm I'm taking a I'm taking a page out of uh, Sam Sage's book here. Um, wow, yeah, double header. So number one, mm-hmm. the Mercedes second seat. I believe that Mercedes should get George Russell in the seat, but they should not make that decision until the season is over, like after the last race. And the second part of it is, I believe that Red Bull should sign Sergio Perez and they should sign him now. Do you agree with both parts of that? Who do you want to go first, Ben? Or either part. <laughs> wow. Go on, Harry. You're already talking. Uh, I. Oh God, I I think I agree with you. But because we've you've already alluded to this earlier on, you know, with Hamilton secure now, they've got that kind of security. Bottas will will take any contract he's given, so he's not going to run off anywhere. So they can afford to wait to the end of the year. So that's fine. And with Red Bull, I know my my point was that. They might still be in the same position with Albon, but we've said that Perez has done a better job. He's got a race win as well. Yeah, I would sign him up now because what, what, what? There's no point trying to bring. Well, the sounds like they're not going to bring Gasly up ever. Sonoda's too busy backing into barriers at the moment, so he's not quite ready. Um, I mean, Danny Danny Kvyat could come back if he wanted to, but um, true, yeah, very true. <laughs> it's possible. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would sign, I would sign Perez now. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see, see him going off anywhere else, but why not have that stability that they've, you know, not, not necessarily had over the few last few years? Get him, in, get him embedded in the twenty twenty two car as soon as possible. So, um, yeah, I can't disagree. I'm very sad. I'm not going to deal with you now. Uh, Evening ruins. Very saddening. Um very saddening Sam what do you reckon um for the most part I completely agree with you which hurts my soul because I would love to pull a bucket of green sliminess all over your head Ben it give, give me no more pleasure you know uh but but I'd like to make a couple of small points on this um if Mercedes were to wait till the end of the season I feel very very sotty sotty sorry for no more bodies please is what I was trying to say because he wasn't having necessarily a chance to find himself another drive and I think Valtteri Bottas may not be deserving of a uh, a championship level seat but that man is more than good enough to have a Formula 1 drive and I think all seats might be taken at that point but from Mercedes point of view yes they can 100% afford to wait till the end of the year and I don't see why they wouldn't let George Russell have a good season be motivated by the chance of getting a seat see what he can do to me makes total sense and I do agree with you in the Mercedes point of view with the Red Bull call um, I, I'm more torn on this one because it makes sense that they are stable I've always said that Red Bull feel a bit toxic a bit rushed keep Perez in that seat to stop that but Pierre Gasly 100% has earned a redemption arc. He's 100% earned the chance to step up. And if I were Red Bull, now is the critical moment to lump it or lose it. You either need to give Pierre Gasly the chance to redeem himself or lose him completely and remove him from that seat so he can go on and do something else with his with his life, you know. That's the only thing that will stop me 100% agreeing. But from a team point of view, which I assume both of these are, 
yes, from a Red Bull point of view, it makes sense to keep Perez. So I do agree. From a Mercedes point of view, it does make sense to wait till the end of the season. So I only just by a whisker, I am not going to tell you to pump the brakes. Uh, fair enough. Um, I mean, just, just to very quickly give the rationale behind both of those. So from Mercedes' perspective, I think actually even if they know right now that they want Russell in that seat, keeping Bottas motivated with the chance of, of staying at Mercedes next year, you know, I, I think if you call it now and it's not Bottas who's staying, you run the risk of a demotivated Bottas for the rest of this year not helping them win the Constructors' Championship from the Red Bull perspective, I just think that if they can avoid silly season completely, have their lineup locked down, give Perez the security that he isn't going anywhere, they can just go full steam ahead for the championship then and not worry about anything else. But I think that might be the, the first time we've ever played this game where the gunge sound effect has not been needed. Disgusting. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's come all the way here and we've done nothing with him. Sorry, Dave. I tell you what, well, Dave, you you can gunge the, the listeners. <laughs> do, do you want to get gunged, guys? I, I think that was a yes. <laughs> Yay! Gunging all the listeners. There's a lot of you. He's got a lot of gunging to do. Oh dear. I I, I realise I probably should have said this at the beginning of this segment. I, I definitely should have mentioned this at the beginning of this segment. <laughs> Dave Benson Phillips, just, just, just look at it. Very British reference. Very, very British reference. Kid, kids TV presenter. Um, just look it up. Love the gunge. Oh, I love him. Very fond memories of, of old uh, DVP. Loved it. <laughs> Good old DVP. But after, uh, well, I was about to say after no gunging today he might not be a friend of the podcast anymore but since he's actually got to gunge all the listeners then maybe he's he's even happier than usual um, we'll have to ask Dave himself but Sam if you wouldn't mind on that very Formula 1 related note would you mind getting us out of here folks sorry for again the silliness and the bizarre British references Dave Benson Phillips is an national icon over here and he needs a mention so America you he must really learn. isn't <laughs> <laughs> um what what are your thoughts on the Lewis Hamilton situation? Should Mercedes bring up Russell out for Bottas, or should Bottas stick around for a while? Can Hamilton deliver results for a long time to come? Um, we'd love to know what your thoughts are. Of course, next week we're going to be back for a Silverstone preview. We're at the British Grand Prix with maximum capacity. Can't wait for that spike and lockdown straight after the race. Thank you, Formula One. Um, but hopefully we're going to get an absolute belter. Lewis Hamilton always seems to be spurred on by the hashtag best fans there. So we'll see. We'll have to see. We'd love to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, I have been Sandra Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Mr. Lumpa. And <laughs> Keep breaking late. Oh, bye, Dave. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.